You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good evening and welcome back to another episode of the Future of Flushing Podcast. I'm Jonathan Barron, riding solo once again on this Wednesday night as Vito is... uh, He's currently in Rome right now. Uh, I'm sure he's on his absolute best behavior as I am here. The clock just struck midnight. It is now Thursday, September 21st, and that means that the Binghamton Rumble Ponies and Somerset Patriots get it on in Somerset, New Jersey for game two of their best of three series today. So on this episode, we will recap for you what happened on Wednesday night, just a one Game night, haven't seen that really all year. I mean, we've had some nights where there's no games and we usually give you a player interview on those mornings after those those sorts of nights. Or there are some nights where we have rainouts and other things don't go to plan, but we haven't had a one-game night until Wednesday. So just one game. We'll tell you what happened between the Syracuse Mets and the Scranton Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders. Then we'll take a look at the pitching matchup for that game two I alluded to between the Rumble Ponies and the Somerset Patriots. It will be a great pitching matchup if the numbers from the regular season bear themselves out. And then quickly fill you in on the Mets Minor League Players of the Year, the annual awards the Mets give out to their minor leaguers. Those were announced officially today, so we'll tell you who is taking home the hardware. So let's start with the Syracuse Mets and the scranton wilkes Bear Rail Riders. Another matchup between a Mets affiliate and a Yankees affiliate. Of course, not the biggest one going on right now, but just wanted to throw that out there. And on this night, the Mets won a football score. They earned a 14-3 victory against Scranton Wilkes-Barre. Seven of the nine guys, of course, when you score 14 runs, this makes sense. But seven of nine guys in that Syracuse Mets lineup had at least one RBI in the victory on Wednesday led by Danny Mendick and Michael Perez, two guys with some major league experience. They both homered for the Syracuse Mets, but there were a number of other big nights for Syracuse in this one. Jalen Palmer, he had a double, he walked, and he stole a base, so Palmer putting all the tools on display on Wednesday. Joe Swazi, he had two hits and an RBI. He has an OPS right around 800 with the Syracuse Mets, so he's a guy that's played at three different levels this year, started at Brooklyn, worked his way up to Binghamton, now with Syracuse, and he's had some success with the Syracuse Mets. Jose Peroza, another guy who's been having lots of success recently. On Wednesday, he played in his sixth game as a Syracuse Met. He had three RBI on Wednesday, two hits. Now has nine RBI in those six games with Syracuse, so he continues his strong finish to the season, getting to say that he has played as high as AAA baseball, a big thing going into a big offseason for Jose Peroza. Overall, the Syracuse Mets, they were 6-for-15 with runners in scoring position. And on the mound for Syracuse on Wednesday was Denny Reyes. He turned in a good start, six innings, two hits, a run, a walk, and six strikeouts. So Reyes, who had a nice start with the Mets back on August 30th against the Texas Rangers, who very well could be a playoff team. He's given the Syracuse Mets some good outings of late. He's pitched at least six innings in three of his last six starts overall. Does it again on Wednesday night as the Syracuse Mets earn a 14-3 victory against Scranton. 
This is the final week of the Syracuse Mets season, so they try to end that season on a high note. So that's the deal with the Syracuse Mets on Wednesday. And now we turn our attention to Thursday. As I mentioned, game two between the Rumble Ponies and the Somerset Patriots. Binghamton jumping out to a one nothing series lead with their 9-2 victory on Tuesday. Those two teams travel to Jersey on Wednesday, and they will get set to do battle in Somerset, New Jersey, which, as far as the pitching matchup goes, should be a great one. And I went back. It's a pitching matchup between Dominic Hamill for the Binghamton Rumble Ponies and Richard Fitz, righty Richard Fitz, for the Somerset Patriots. So I went back, and I put together just a little comparison chart between Hamill and Fitz, who were two of the better pitchers in the Eastern League all season. And I'm not here to really dub anyone the better pitcher. They both had great seasons. They both excelled in different things. Hamill had a higher strikeout rate. Uh, Fitz had a lower walk rate. Not too much lower, but still a lower walk rate. Um, Hamill gives up fewer home runs. But Fitz, he threw almost 20 more innings than Hamill. Excuse me, 30 more innings nearly than Dom Hamill. So both check boxes when you go up and down. But I just want to really outline kind of just how good of a pitching matchup we are in store for on Thursday night, of course, if both of these guys live up to the back of the baseball cards, if you would. So we'll talk innings pitch first, and it's 124 for Dom Hamill and 152 and two-thirds for Fitz this season. So Fitz, a little bit more action. Um, really nothing to make of that, more of just the sample size, I guess. Hamill, perhaps the Mets a little bit more cautious with Hamill than the Mets were with Fitz, but still, just really a sample size number. ERA, 385-348. You know, less than half a run difference. Of course, ERAs can fluctuate based on a number of things. Pitchers don't control a pretty close race there, if you would. Strikeout rate. Dom Hamill takes the edge in this category. He struck out 30.4% of the hitters he faced this regular season. Fits 25.9. So that's a good example of where I say they both excel in different things. Maybe a little edge here over the other there. Both very nice strikeout rate numbers. Walk rate, 9.3 for Hamill. Anything under 10, you'll love to see that. 6.8 for Fitz. That's, that's Christian Scott territory, and we'll talk a little bit about Christian Scott in a moment. So neither guy loses control very often. Now you move to the fielding independent pitching, which incorporates, as we've talked about in past episodes, what a pitcher can control on the mound. Taking out the variables, the bad defense, maybe you know an infield alignment that a batter hits the ball against, beats a shift, if you would, as, as close as you can get to the shift today. Anyway, Dom Hamill's FIP, 3-2-1. That's about six-tenths of a run lower than his ERA. So Dom Hamill, that tells you he kind of outperformed his ERA a little bit. And for Fitz, 3-9-2. Of course, about half a run higher than his ERA. And then you move to the home runs per nine, and Hamill allowed just 12 home runs all season in 124 innings. Comes out to 0.87 homers per nine for Fitz. 1.3 homers allowed per nine. So not a crazy high number, but again, Dom Hamill edging him slightly. But still, both pitchers were outstanding all season long. Two of the best pitchers in the Eastern League, and they will lock horns on Thursday night. The Rumble Ponies, with one win, will move on in the postseason and send the Somerset Patriots, who won the first half division title and the second half division title, home. So 
We'll see if Binghamton can get the job done. And on Thursday night, right after the final out, I'll be right back here with you, just like I was on Wednesday morning to recap all the action. Hopefully it'll be, to quote Bob Murphy, a happy recap for the Rumble Ponies, but we'll have all the information you need nonetheless. So that's the look ahead to Thursday, an exciting night. It will surely be in Somerset, New Jersey. Just got uh, done doing Mets Up with Mark and James of the Mets Up podcast. Mark and James will be in attendance on Thursday. I unfortunately have to pass. Um, just have some fatherly duties, you know. That's kind of the way it is now. It's really, uh, I was telling Mark and James this, it's kind of the first time where I've had that decision to make. Am I going to be mature? Am I going to stay home and, you know, spend the night with my daughter, my wife, who I love very much, or am I going to go to a baseball game? And when push comes to shove, I can watch that baseball game for the comfort of my couch. I could be around. I could help out. I could eat dinner. I could feed my daughter, feed her a bottle, you know, lay with her, spend some good time with her. So that's the decision I had to make. But I will still be locked in. And if you want to watch, keep in mind, MLB.tv, MILB.tv, the two places you can go, streaming for free. So definitely check that out. These games are available. They're exciting. Game one was very exciting, especially as a Rumble Ponies fan. Game two, surely to be just as exciting. Now for some other excitement. As I mentioned at the top of the episode, the Mets announced their Players of the Year across the minor league system, or I should say their Mets Player Development Awards because there are some awards for coaches as well. The two big ones, Player of the Year and Pitcher of the Year. Player of the Year, probably no surprise, especially if you listen to this podcast from the very first episode we did all the way through to this one you're listening to right now. Of course, it's Jet Williams, who had a splendid season in his first full year of pro ball. At just 19 years old, Jet put up an 876 OPS between three levels. That's Port St. Lucie, low A, Brooklyn, high A, and the Rumble Ponies, double A. He hit 13 home runs. He drew 104 walks. And here's a very interesting note about Jet Williams that I came across. He is the first teenager to lead the entire organization in walks since a fellow, a fellow infielder, guy from Virginia by the name of David Wright, who did that in 2002. So just like last night, a couple of the name JT Schwartz and John Olrud, and I'm not trying to compare the two at all. I'm not trying to say that. J.T. Schwartz is going to be John Olrood. I'm not trying to say that Jet Williams is going to be David Wright. Jet Williams is Jet Williams. J.T. Schwartz is J.T. Schwartz. But that is some good company for a young player like Jet Williams to be in with David Wright. David Wright, of course, the franchise's all-time hits leader. If things go according to plan, Jet Williams is going to have a long, prosperous career in New York. And he's already off to a great start, putting himself in the same category, the same company, as David Wright. So Jet Williams is the player of the year in the Mets player development system. The pitcher of the year, also probably no surprise if you're a frequent listener, if you keep up with what's going on in the minor league system. It's Christian Scott, who had a fantastic year. He really burst on the scene. Many might not have known the name before the year started, but if you pay attention to the minor leagues, even vaguely, you definitely know the name now. After Scott posted a 257 cumulative ERA between the three levels that he pitched at, since getting to Binghamton back in June, Scott had 77 strikeouts to just eight walks. He's a strike thrower. That's evidenced by his seven, excuse me, his 68.6% strike rate. And even more impressive than that, 
he couples it with a chase rate of 33%. And that makes him very, very dangerous. A guy that throws hard, a guy that beats opposing hitters up in the strike zone, a guy that has multiple non-fastballs he can beat you with, unleashing filthy change-ups that fall off the table, and sliders with bite down and away from the righty, down and in to the lefty hitter. But when you couple the ability to put the ball virtually wherever you want like Scott does, and you get opposing hitters to chase, so you're generating strikes when the pitches are both in and out of the strike zone, that is a lethal, lethal ability for, for a pitcher to have, and it translated so well for Scott, who had a 2-3-3 fifth this season. That was the lowest, number one, no one better among more than 400 minor league pitchers with at least 80 innings of work this season. He also had the lowest strikeout rate minus walk rate in that same qualifier. More than 400 pitchers qualify in this context, and no one had a better mark than him in both of those categories. So Christian Scott, with a splendid year, got off to a great start in the playoffs with his outing on Tuesday for the Rumble Ponies. Very deserving, so congratulations to both Christian and Jet Williams. Now we move on to the DSL Player of the Year, and that goes to Jeffrey Rosa, who had 15 home runs and had an OPS of 1069. Rosa did things that we have not seen in this league since the formation of it in the mid-90s. Uh, another guy, if you listen to the podcast, of course, the DSL season has been over for some time now. But when it was going on, Jeffrey Rosa was mentioned virtually every day because it felt like he was homering virtually every day. So Rosa takes home some hardware after his great season. Very excited to see what the road ahead looks like for Jeffrey Rosa, a very, very talented player who now has a little uh, hardware to show for it. The DSL Complex Pitcher of the Year, that goes to lefty Franklin Gomez, who, like Rosa, who, like Christian Scott, who, like Jet Williams, also had a great campaign in his first year down with DSL Mets. He had a 2.66 ERA on the season in 13 starts. It was so good that Gomez did something that you don't see very often, and that is a guy coming stateside in the middle of the season. That's exactly what he did. He made the start for FCL Mets in their playoff game against the FCL Braves. And then after that, he was promoted to St. Lucie. So, you know, Gomez really accomplished a lot in his age 17 season. And I, I did misspeak. Actually, it was his second year in the DSL. Much easier to go back and correct myself and try to mess around with editing things. I am editing the podcast once again tonight. So we move on. We correct. We, I kind of had a feeling that it might have been a second year, and I looked up the baseball reference page while talking. Not that easy, by the way. That's uh, some serious brain tricks there, trying to type and speak at the same time fluent English. So uh, got that done anyway. But yeah, Gomez had a great season, a ton accomplished, and it really puts him in a prime spot for next year and to really garner some, some hype around his name, a guy that right now is not in the top 30. If you look at MLB.com's Mets top 30 prospects, but he had a great, great season, and he is now the DSL Complex Pitcher of the Year. Some other player awards given out by the Mets, the Platinum Glove Award, that went to catcher Hayden Sanger. Sanger had a big hit for the Rumble Ponies in their huge fourth inning on Tuesday, but he was great with the glove all season long, and Sanger, it makes sense that a great backstop like him has backstopped all the success that's been had on the mound in Binghamton this season. We'll get to that in a little bit more, a little bit more in a second because there's another Rumble Pony member that took home an award. 
the infield gold glove. That one to William Lugo, who, if you listen to the podcast, you know we affectionately refer to as Billy Barrels. Good hitter William Lugo is. But now, perhaps, uh, maybe it's like Willie Webb Gems, because Lugo plays a really solid third base and shortstop. Played a little first base as well, so congrats to William Lugo on that nod. Ryland Thomas, the outfield gold glove winner. And it's funny, because I was watching the game last night, and... I'm about to make another comparison after I tell you guys how much I really try to not make a lot of comparisons. But the thing about Rylan Thomas that jumps off the page, especially when you know you scout him, you, you take a look at him for the first time, is he's a great defender. And obviously the Mets know that as well. That's why he is being, uh, you know, taking home this award this season. And he did a great job getting on base all year long, things that we've told you throughout right now he's hit safely in each of his last 13 games including a big hit in game one against Somerset but when I see Rylan Thomas play the corners I've seen him in right field you see him in left field he reminds me of Andy Chavez the way he pursues fly balls the way he's just loose out there the way he almost glides to the baseball so a name that came to my mind when watching a guy um and Andy Chavez, of course, a great defender in his own right, made one of the best catches in Mets history. It, for my money, the best catch. Of course, it kind of became a, a footnote in Mets history because of the result of Game 7 in the 06 NLCS, which I don't want to get into at 12.17 a.m. on a Thursday morning. I do have to go to sleep eventually. But Ryland Thomas can go get it. Ryland Thomas is a really well-rounded, good ball player, and he has an award to show for it, to take home, something to be proud of, so congrats to Rylan, William, and Hayden Sanger on those awards. Mention the Binghamton Rumble Ponies, all the pitching success they've had there. Of course, the catcher Hayden Sanger, a big part of that. A.J. Sager, named the Minor League Staff Member of the Year. And A.J. Sager is the pitching coach at Binghamton. So those two kind of go hand in hand. The Mets have really gotten the most out of a lot of arms, both in the starting rotation and in the bullpen in Binghamton all season long. 14 shutouts. They have been a run prevention machine, and it all starts with the pitching and the catching and all the thought, the analytics, all the teaching that goes into on the daily basis, these guys, and their their player development, really. I mean, that's what we're talking about here is player development. So A.J. Sager, the minor league staff member of the year, and then Diana Perez. She was named the DSL Complex Staff Member of the Year. I really want to talk about Diana for a second here because you know, this is one, if you, if you get the press release or if you read an article that outlines all these awards and what the people did, there's a lot of great contributions throughout a minor league season. There's a lot of moving parts. There are a lot of players, obviously, as you guys know, in a minor league season. But the work that people like Diana do with the DSL Mets, with young men who are training, essentially, to hone their craft, and get good enough at their craft where they're going to leave all that they know, their country, their family, their friends behind, and go to the United States. And for a lot of these guys, it's not just baseball, but it's an education in many ways. And the future of this franchise, not just the Mets, but any franchise in the major leagues, it all starts, really, the grassroots, the Dominican Summer League, then it goes to the Florida Complex League. This is a a true step-by-step -step maturation 
not only as ball players, but as, as, as men, as young men that turn into adults. And it all starts down with the DSL Mets. And it's a very, very important thing that should not be overlooked. The impact that all the staffers down with DSL and FCL and throughout the organization have on the lives of these young men. Just the daily grind, you know, so much from from studying English to learning finances, from a lot of things that us as baseball consumers, we don't think about when we look at box scores, when we watch highlights, when we watch games. You don't think about all the things that these guys are learning off the field, becoming adults. So just wanted to throw that out there because it's a very, very important part of the whole operation. Without that side of it, the baseball side isn't made possible whatsoever. So tip of the cap to you, Diana. Tip of the cap to all the players and coaches who either earned awards or some that didn't but had great years and really, really took a big step in their development on and off the field in 2023. There's a lot to be proud of, a lot to look back on and just be happy about as a Mets fan. Know that this organization is headed in the right direction and that a lot of the goals that have been set forth from ownership on down, they are being met each and every day. There's work being done that you you might not see, you might not know about, you might not hear about, but there's a lot of work going in to the ultimate goal, and that is, of course, to bring a championship to City Field. So that's the story for Wednesday night's program here on Future of Flushing. Not sure if Vito's going to be joining me for the postgame recap on on Thursday night, recapping the action between the Rumble Ponies and the Somerset Patriots, game two of their best of three series. If the game wraps up at around 10 p.m., that would be 4 a.m. for Vito. And I'll be honest, I miss him. I would encourage him to not wake up at 4 a.m., you know, I, I feel like that's probably not best for the overall health picture, the health outlook. Sleep is important, as I told him before he left, especially with the uh, kind of activities he's getting into. It's very important to rest up. So you might have me again on Thursday night. Hopefully it'll be a, a joyous occasion on Thursday night. Hopefully it'll be a conversation about the Binghamton Rumble Ponies moving on to the next round, getting past the Somerset Patriots. But they've got nine innings before that. Dom Hamill taking the ball once again, going up against Richard Fitz. And one thing I didn't mention in last night, yesterday morning's episode that I want to mention, if this series does go three, just throwing it out there, if it does, the Mets have, or excuse me, the Rumble Ponies, I really lasted a long time before saying Mets, the Rumble Ponies are expected to throw out Blade Tidwell in game three. So we've told you just how deep this rotation is. Ace after ace after ace. They have that ability to match any pitcher that the other team is going to throw out there. So it would be Blade Tidwell in all likelihood in game three. But let's hope it doesn't get there. Let's hope the boys can bring it home, enjoy a victory on Thursday night in Somerset, New Jersey. We'll see. We've got some hours to go. Once that game is over, I'll be pressing the record button, and we will be breaking it all down. So please, why don't you join me for that? Maybe Vito. Who knows? Probably not, but you never know. Crazier things have happened. So... I successfully edited the music in last night. I listened back this morning and made sure I, I did a good job and sounded okay to me. I think I might have started a little bit early, but I'm trying to get my timing down still. So enjoy the music. Hope you enjoyed the episode. We will talk to you tomorrow. Good night, folks.
It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.